Are we okay forcing people to do things they don't want to do? It's the founding ideas that make our country great. Caesar was garbage, and so are today's bureaucrats. You're listening to Self-Evident and Forgotten. Here are your hosts, Stanton, Christie, and Cody. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Self-Evident and Forgotten. We're your, uh, well, I had something fun to say. I had I had a nice alliteration, our Thanksgiving turkey trio, but we're not a trio today. Our, our chairwoman <laughs> is ill, and, and so it's just... It's just the two gloomy guys again, <laughs> Cody and Stanton. <laughs> we'll try and keep it happy since this is uh, going to be dropped right around the holidays. So we'll do, we'll... Our, we'll do our best. Today's episode <laughs> is, I don't know, I don't know. It's going to be hard because it's it's the end of news. It's the end of news for November. And a lot of things happen in November. We have a and couple of positive things going boy, on. Boy, so. was it a November. It was. <laughs> the Democrats lost some key elections. The military has admitted to no mistakes. And Kyle Rittenhouse and others walk free. Isn't it just a refreshing time of year? But Cody, to start us off right, I have the random question for you. Mm -hmm. Besides Independence Day, which holiday is the most American? Oh. Yeah. That's a good question. Hmm. And, and, and you can and I'll let you do whatever parameters you want to know. It originates in America. It has the most American spirit, American celebrated the most. Right. I'll let you I'll let you play around with your parameters. The oh man, I don't know. I could either go like real in depth on this one, like <laughs> I have, some obscure holiday. Yeah, just something really random. What is the most American holiday? You know, it's got to be like St. Patty's Day. I was thinking like St. Patty's Day or Cinco de Mayo. The day Cinco, Cinco the- de Mayo is a yeah. great one too, right? <laughs> there is nothing more American than being like, oh, this is like a cultural holiday that doesn't really get celebrated where you're from. But like, mm-hmm. we really love it here. So we're just going to yep. blow it up and make it the biggest thing in the world. Yep. And like teenagers with no connection to Ireland whatsoever are going to oh, get yeah. like, hammered and just cheers to that no one has any idea what it's about right like no one no one, no one looks at like saint patrick driving the snakes out of ireland and whether that was the druids or actual snakes like nobody sits there and like, it wasn't even irish yeah <laughs> i mean that's, so that's, that's gotta that's be fair that's pretty american yeah i mean you want you want the front right i was thinking i was thinking a little bit more literal like you know maybe maybe a memorial day because you know all the barbecues and all that kind of stuff oh that's, that's a good one too but i do think it's actually our upcoming one i do think it's actually thanksgiving i mean that's the right answer i mean I, it is i mean it, it has to be the right answer like if it's not going to be the fourth of july a Veterans day where day. americans are stuffing their fa- faces oh. in, where they are sleeping watching bad football um what you're gonna tell me the lions football game is a good football game no (laughs) he looked at me in such like pain like get out of here there's usually one good thanksgiving game maybe if you're lucky it's thursday football (laughs) oh don't forget that it's also the beginning of the most consumerist venture weekend of the entire year so that's a good point too and and if you haven't already begun it's also when you can finally start listening to christmas that evening christmas music that evening yay oh come on now where's your cheer (laughs) i'm not a christmas music guy i grew up in a household where christmas music was november 1st right that's just how it was oh that's not okay well that you may say that but that's just how it was and so when i met my Mm. wife she said absolutely not and i said you gotta give me something i need my fix earlier and she says, okay, halfway through November. And so November 15th is compromise day. And when I can start listening. It's to, armistice day. Yeah, it's armistice. It's compromise day when I can start listening to the Christmas household. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. man. I, Thanksgiving's a really good answer, right? Like Veterans Day, Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. Like that's, a, you know, President's Day. Those are all pretty good. I used to love when Columbus Day. When I worked oh, yeah. for the uh, the federal government, because it's one of those bank holidays that no one celebrates. Really? 
And so like banks and the federal government is closed and that's about it. So it was like errands day for me because <laughs> I could go to the grocery store and like yeah. it was a normal Monday. Nice. But not anymore. Thanksgiving is is probably probably the most American. That's I got before we go on, I got a Thanksgiving related question. Do you like turkey? Oh, I love turkey. OK, I met a couple people, two people who know each other that don't like turkey. Mm. And I'm like, don't trust it. What do you mean? You like you don't like white, like like dark meat or, or white meat? Or, like, no, I just don't like turkey. I'm like, what do you mean? I don't like Thanksgiving either. And I'm like, I'm out. Those are people that haven't met seasonings. Those are people that have never been introduced to herbs. Nope. Uh, and they're not aware of the magic of smokers. That's all I'm I, saying. I, I, I don't know what it was. I, I couldn't fathom it. And, and worse, they didn't like Thanksgiving. Like this is the, this is a holiday that is guaranteed to be in the middle of the week and almost yeah. guaranteed to be off. Like with a couple of exceptions, like Christmas, not guaranteed. It could be on a, it could be on a weekend, right? Thanksgiving is always guaranteed to be in the middle of the week. Thanks to know who was it? Was it Lincoln that kind of instituted this? Oh, I don't know. I have I no idea. Remember. I can't remember who regular regularized it as a Thursday holiday. I think it was Lincoln. It might have been FDR. Either way, that's their one good thing that they did. So, you know, besides <laughs> so one good thing Lincoln did. Oh, besides freeing the slaves. I was <laughs> there's a couple, there's a list there. <laughs> listen, listen, you and I are anyway. Let's get into our ABCs of the month <laughs> before I stick another foot in my mouth here. Um, ABCs of the month. You're first up, the aspiring autocrats, those terrible politicians you love to hate. We actually have a, have a couple that we hate to love this time ago, uh, this time around. Um, the Democrats, and as you all know, Cody and I, we are uh, we're not nonpartisans. We're just non-political partisans. We don't we don't we're not affiliated with any one party. But you all know how we kind of go. Um, so we don't really care if uh, if any one <laughs> candidate wins or loses, so long as the candidate that does win is on our side of freedom. Um, but we were happy to see that the incumbent for, uh, uh, governor of Virginia did, in fact, lose. Um, what's his name? Terry uh, McAuliffe. I always call him Terry McAuliffe, but it's like McAuliffe, right? Well, and technically not an incumbent, right? So he wasn't the incumbent. The incumbent wasn't rerunning. No, but yeah. he was a prior governor of Virginia. Terry, I thought he was the current governor. No, Northam's the current governor of Virginia. That's weird. Okay, remember Northam, the guy with the yearbook and the picture where there's like somebody in blackface. Tell and somebody it, is a tells you how much I give two tales about Virginia. But yeah, I was happy to see um, Glenn Youngkin is the winner. Uh, he won by like sixty three thousand votes. It was a slim margin. Um, but hold on a sec here. You know, that's that's not a lot. That's not a lot of votes. But this is the state that Biden a year earlier beat Trump by like 10 percentage points, 54 to 44 um, percent. That's a big shift in that state. You know, this isn't like just some you know, congressional midterm. Right. Granted, it's a really odd year. Literally, it's 2021. But it's also the gubernatorial election. This is a big statewide election. So it's telling that whatever is happening in Virginia, which is historically a swing state, this is not good for Democrats. And Cody, wasn't there like another election? Uh, what was it? Up New in Jersey. New Jersey. I couldn't remember. New Jersey. Yeah. Well, and so another thing in Virginia, right, is not only was it the governor, they swept the top three. So governor, lieutenant oh. governor, and AG all went Republican. Interesting, um, interesting. Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears is fantastic. Her one of her campaign pictures is just her standing there, like posing with an AR. <laughs> it's just great. But uh, New Jersey, so a uh, truck driver named Ed Durr was really upset in this with the state of New Jersey that he was not able to get his concealed carry permit. Those of you guys that know anything about gun control laws and states, New Jersey is one of the strongest gun control states in the country. It gives New York and California a run for their money uh, every year. Well, Ed was frustrated, so he decided that he was going to run for the elected position of state Senate president. So wait, do, do, you, 
do you run for the yeah. local seat and then become and then are it's like its person? own it's like its own position kind of really? thing that's strange it's really really okay confusing. anyway anyway so he spent 153 dollars in the primary won the republican primary and then spent two thousand three hundred dollars in the uh in the election for the actual position and defeated the state Senate president, the incumbent, that's, that's a truck problem. driver from New Jersey, whose entire campaign was, we're going to start giving out concealed carry permits, won that election, immediately flipped that seat. Like how brilliant is that? And you see that that's kind of what you saw across like Virginia was this thing that we were watching, right? Is like, are we going to, are we delving ever further into this? Like, progressive black hole mm-hmm. or will we start standing up to you know these crazy covid restrictions like these crazy public school mandate issues and virginia was kind of like what we were watching for that but you saw it happen in virginia you saw it happen in new jersey there were some colorado state elections i like- mean y- young can prove that you know republicans can win on the education issue that you know d- depending on how you frame it that you know you, know, you might want a Democrat to support your teachers, but you want a Republican to write your curriculum. <laughs> that kind yeah. of that kind of messaging kind of idea. Yeah, Granted, I don't want either of them to touch my schools, but you know, I'll take the poison I have to. <laughs> <laughs> incrementalism, Stanton. Incrementalism. Uh, <laughs> but speaking of uh, of teachers and schools, that's a good lead into our bees, right? Yeah, what, what? I'm not sure at all how the the next issue at all touches education. Well, so before we get to that one, we could talk about the politicization of the DOJ and this new excitement that's going on. I thought I was giving us a good segue here. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> You're wait. Are you talking about the Pentagon question? <laughs> yeah, but I was going to talk about DOJ first. I don't know where you're going, Cody, but go for it. If you want to move on to BS bureaucracy? We can move on to BS bureaucracy. Did we have anything left with autocrats? <laughs> I think I've broken Stanton as he recovers from his uh, oh. his blitz from the uh, school play. Oh, yeah. I, I We just wrapped up production of Arthur Miller's The Crucible at my high school. My kids did an outstanding job. I had multiple patrons tell us this is the best show we've done yet. But for like two weeks straight i've been doing nine uh, uh excuse me four to nine and four to ten rehearsals and then i stay afterwards you know cleaning up and whatnot it's my body just kind of said you're done you're you're done and my brain is trying to slowly shut down until i can recover from my thanksgiving feast my my gluttonous feast but yeah cody bs bureaucracy talk to me about <laughs> how this gun or these elections deal with schools and um, so on and so forth <laughs> well we're, stan has a good point that we're going to hit on in a second but one of the things i think that was really interesting that we really saw this month so we already talked a little bit about this like doj memo to have like parents investigated at school conferences but yeah. we saw a lot more details come out this month and a lot of people are getting really upset with Merrick Garland and the, the stances he's taking. So we saw more details come out about DOJ working with the teachers union to like specifically craft this language on investigations into parents. This race in Virginia started to like uh, expose some of these things that like, hold on, what exactly are getting, getting taught in is getting taught in some of these schools and DOJ's hand in like, intentionally backing away from looking at certain issues and then going full force into prosecuting other issues. Like I, so obviously department of justice is an appointed position. Everybody claims that they're like nonpartisan. They always go in and say, look, I know I was appointed by the president, but I'm going to do my darndest to just uphold the law. Man, is that out the window? I, I always laugh when attorney generals try to try to pull that stint. Like, you know, there, there's some there's some there's some literature cr- that credits the idea that secretaries of departments and attorney generals of the Justice Department are more independent of the president than you know you'd think, right? They they become their own little kingdom chiefs. But you know, at the end of the day, they are political animals. They're only there for a short time, so they're going to do the maximum work 
damage that they can in the short time that they're there. Yeah, and we were so we saw it in with schools, we saw it in like this gun control issue where now DOJ is going to start like incentivizing states to pass certain laws on certain models using federal funding. This was in the kind of early or I guess this wasn't that early, but it was a little while ago about them doing like model red flag yeah. uh, legislation and states, if they pass it, will get additional federal fundings, uh, additional federal funding. And so it's just like this crazy idea. Now, I, I'm glad that people are paying attention to like what power the Department of Justice has and what that really means. And, and when it's being held as like kind of a or not kind of as a partisan position, advancing the the agenda of the administration. And when that agenda is about as anti-freedom as you can get these days, you know, it's really affecting people's lives. And I think people are starting to wake up to that. I think the schools is a big one. I think seeing this, what's going on in schools and stuff has been the, the kind of catalyst to a lot of these questions. You know, I've, I, I always kind of worry about, you know, whenever the federal government starts to offer funds for certain things, because you no, know, and folks, what, what Code is saying is, you know, the Justice Department would offer more grant money to the state governments if they adopted um, red flag laws or other gun restrictions. And you might think that's crazy. Yeah, they might propose it, but they can't get away with it. Well, if you don't like the Common Core standards in our schools, this is exactly how we got Common Core. The Obama administration's Department of Education said, look, we'll give you more money for your school grant, for your, for your education, if you adopt quote-unquote, consortium-based curricula, which is the idea that other states have adopted the, a program. So it didn't have to be Common Core, but because Common Core was the only thing around, that's what states adopted. And the states soaked it up because state legislators are also politicians, and they'll take all the free money they can get, uh, your rights be damned. So this is a, this is a legitimate concern for whatever liberty or freedom that you have in mind, whether it be the control of your child's education or your, your sidearm. This is a legitimate concern. Yeah. And so this month, the um, Department of Jeff Justice, the Office of the Inspector General, released a, a report basically saying that the Department of Justice needs to address these concerns, that it's not insulated from political influence like it used to be. Mm. Um you know, so they cite to some of the issues under Biden. They also cite to some of the issues under Trump, like talking about like this Lafayette Square issue. Remember, where like protesters were cleared out just for like the photo op question. Yeah. Um, and so it wasn't just limited to Biden, but the Office of the Inspector General, which is part of the Department of Justice. It's the watchdog, obviously, of Department of Justice is basically like, hey, guys, it looks like we're becoming a little partisan. Maybe we should think about that. And when your own office is saying that maybe you should watch out for being partisan, maybe you should watch out for being partisan because the office of the inspector general is not always known for their great work. Are they Stanton? Nope. Because <laughs> uh, what Cody's referring to is another inspector general report, but not, not the DOJ's inspector. So every bureaucracy kind of has their own, inspector general right and is it inspectors general you know how like attorneys general it's supposed to be attorneys general not attorney generals I is it like, inspectors general i feel like i am one slip up from just saying inspector gadget <laughs> and i've I'm, just made it worse i'm just you just made <laughs> inspector general <laughs> i say we we uh affirmatively state that it's inspectors general and it's the inspectors uh, general and that's what we're going with concurred Done. Granted. Um, but the Department of Defense, the Pentagon's inspector general, um, a couple, oh, what was it? August, September, we had talked about um, an airstrike that the uh, that the military had done in, uh, in near Kabul, uh, uh, Kabul. Excuse me. Um, if you remember when we were withdrawing from Afghanistan, we had that horrific um, uh, uh attack upon the Kabul airport in which we lost American servicemen and servicewomen. And um, in retaliation, we conducted an airstrike against um, targets that we thought were involved in the attack. Turns out we did not get the right targets. And we mentioned this, um, but more, more than the fact that we didn't get the right bad guys, right? It wasn't like we thought this was ISIS, but in fact, it was the Taliban. My, I, 
our bad. We got the wrong bag. No, no, no. It was completely unrelated, innocent civilians. that had nothing to do at all with a Kabul uh, uh, airport attack. Nothing. And we, and we killed them just like that. Um, and so as a good boy, the Pentagon investigated itself with its inspector general and they came out, hold on a second, let me see if I can find the quote here. Cause it's, it's just, it's delightful. Um, uh, this is from a, a CBS news report, air force inspector general, Lieutenant general Sami Saeed, who led the investigation of the strike at the direction of the defense secretary, Lloyd Austin concluded the strike was quote, an honest mistake. <clears throat> this article begins with another uh, another little fun tidbit. A review by the Inspector General of the Air Force found no violation of law, no negligence, and no dereliction of duty in the Kabul strike that killed 10 Afghan civilians. So no violation of law. Yep. We didn't know that no one broke the law. They're not they're not bad guys. So so we didn't break the law with the airstrike. Mm-hmm. We, we weren't negligent. Nope, we right. did our due diligence. We followed through, and there was no dereliction of duty. Everyone on the on their post was doing their duty, and we killed ten civilians, including seven children, with this airstrike. Yep. So, according to their report, our law, our duty, and our well-functioning military did exactly what it was supposed to do. How offensive is that? Like there's, there's there's this meme from a show called The Good Place, um, which a, a a philosopher says, okay, but you realize why that's worse, why that's a <laughs> lot worse, right? You understand that? Yeah, like I mean, uh, just come out and admit that you did wrong. Like what you you're worried that you're going to have to compensate the innocent victims that you killed. Like is that the concern? According because we're her- spending a lot of money on a lot worse things. From the article, according to a review of the footage, the investigation found that the video two minutes before the weapon was launched showed one child in the compound, but no one saw the child in the video in real time. The strike ultimately killed seven children and three men. They w- so they saw a kid, but it not, wasn't in real time. So like, well, he could be gone. So we'll perform the airstrike anyway. They, they say they didn't see the kid, but the kid was in the video nevertheless. It's just absolutely insane to me. I mean, that this idea that we're, I mean, and this was the other thing, right? When this came out, we talked about this before, about our over, over the horizon capabilities. Mm-hmm. And the Department of Justice was like, no, our over the horizon capabilities are great. And apparently it's because this is how our military is intended to function. Like that's I mean, the only that- takeaway you can have from that report. This is what happens when you when you devise an entire foreign policy dedicated on one principle. We can do whatever the hell we want. Yeah, and I mean, do, it, and 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 here's the, here's the thing, right? This decision now goes to uh, Central Command, who's going to make you no know, decisions on discipline. But without the Inspector General support, discipline just kind of seems political at this point, which it would be. No, we couldn't. Nobody got fired after the botched pullout. Nobody got fired after the deadliest day in American military history for the past five years, 10 years. After an investigation of ourselves by ourselves, we we ourselves have determined that we did not can do anything wrong. And we are thus clearing ourselves of any wrongdoing. Like it's literally a Monty Python skit. I, you couldn't write it better. Like I that is 100% a Monty Python skit. It's just, I mean, this just ha- goes to show, right? This is what happens when there's these insane funded defense programs and there's no accountability. I mean, this is, this should be in, in the front of everybody's face. Like the most obvious example of no accountability is this Afghanistan situation. Every single thing that happens, there is just nothing. I mean, no resignations. The only people that have been fired are the people that were critical of leadership our military leadership bombed and killed 10 civilians, including seven children, which this happens too, right? Like this isn't the first time that we've ever done this, but this one was so blatant and obvious and they still couldn't even slap themselves on the wrist. Even the inspector general of the department of justice is 
<laughs> go ahead look we're getting a little politicized but the inspector general and for the air force is like well look we wouldn't want to inadvertently admit liability like it is so offensive and this is where this is one of those examples that i would hope would be like a non-partisan everybody's on board right like people should be critical of what happened under the doj leadership under this administration and people should be critical of how we're conducting operations overseas using these massive amounts of dollars and our yep. over the horizon capabilities. Yep. And I mean, you know, putting my Christie hat on here, you know, it's, it's hard to strike a balance between having a extremely powerful military, you know, $700 billion a year. It's, 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 you know, you, you can have a powerful military and yet still demand some sense of accountability. Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the head of our military professionals, is still the chairman after the Kabul uh, uh, withdrawal, after this mistake, after everything that he, uh, the Biden administration has no sense of accountability. And, and again, th this is not a, I don't like Democrats. This is, I don't like Anything the Biden administration is doing, by the way, just to go on this theme of accountability. Did you see that he reappointed Jerome Powell as the chairman of the Fed? Do you see that? No. So for those of you who don't know, which you know, Cody and I, whenever we're alone, we talk about inflation. Um, the Federal Reserve, our <laughs> central bank, which prints all our money, um, has a four-year uh, term chairman. Uh, the current one is Jerome Powell, appointed by Trump. Um, he is largely the one responsible for all the cash that's in our system. And what would I say? Like 40% of all money in the last 200 years is printed in the last 18 months. And Jerome Powell has been in office those 18 months. And Biden overseeing this and seeing this happen in real time, seeing prices go up says, yeah, I want more of that. Like, you know, you, you know, the, the phrase Bidenomics. It's kind of unfair, you know, the, the whole inflation thing, the whole you know, more budgets, more money spending. You could say not his fault. He's just getting a bad deal. He is still his first year in office. By the way, it's only his first year in office of four. Um, but when he deliberately chooses to reappoint Jerome Powell as the chairman of the Federal Reserve, the one who's been overseeing this inflation policy, it's got to make you wonder. Who's getting fired for any of this? Like, I just, I, I, well, and so Powell was originally um, a, a, an Obama appointee, right? To the Fed board. And then to, Trump. Yeah, to, to the Fed board and Trump elevated him to chairman. And then Trump elevated him chair. Like, I, I guess bipartisan support for just the spirit of inflation. I like, what's the, what? How did everybody look at this and go, you know what? No, we're in a good place. Let's just keep the same, more of the same, more of the same. Ugh. Well, let's, 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 let's take this, the spirit of bashing on these individuals and move on to our C's of the ABCs, our uh, corrupt cronies, the worst of both worlds, corporate and government. Now I'm going to let Cody take this one because we're going to be talking about law stuff and courtly dealings and uh cody is my man here yeah and so i mean that the topic du jour right what everybody's been paying attention to is this kyle rittenhouse trial uh and how does this fit into corrupt cronies well i have yet to see actually you know what no no no, no. i'm gonna change my mind here i'm gonna let me rephrase this all right welcome to what it looks like when prosecutors have to prosecute cases <laughs> because everybody tuned in and watched what it's like when prosecutors have to try and make their case. Now, we all saw evidence. We all saw everything going on. This was the slimmest case that they could have had and was likely brought to charges for political reasons. Prosecutors have this thing called prosecutorial discretion. They don't have to bring charges. They don't have to pursue them if they don't think the evidence is there and they don't think the case is there. That clearly wasn't happening here. Now, most prosecutors in this scenario basically do what's they plea out cases. And so they'll go to somebody, 
Yeah. And so they'll go to somebody and they'll say, look, if we get you on your biggest charge, you're going to be facing lifetime in prison. Why don't you agree to plead guilty to this lesser charge, which is only 10 years in prison? Since you're playing nice, we'll recommend to the judge you only get five and two years of probation. And so they kind of like get into all these deals and they avoid jury trials. Like, But but and to, to emphasize this, I was just talking to my students about this. I'm glad you actually brought this topic up. Because at the end of the day, for the prosecutor, this comes out as a guilty verdict, which in, in, in terms of prosecutor world is a victory. It's a win. You can add that to your resume because a lot of these um, uh, prosecutors are often working for someone else or they're looking to get into a higher office that they have to run for in an election. So if they can say, I have a, a 98% win rate right? Plea bargains count as that win rate. So they'll, they will twist and bend your arm to take this plea bargain. Um, Cody, are you going to talk about how this affects gun laws? Cause I, I want to, I really do before you go on to written house, go for it. So most people who don't know a damn thing about gun laws, they say we need more gun laws, we need stricter gun laws. In reality, what we need is a stricter enforcement of the gun laws already on the books most people are willing to say, if you are a convicted felon, you probably shouldn't own a gun anymore. Now, there might be some people who say, no, that still doesn't apply. But let's let's just be, let's let's play the, the most common card. If you're a felon, you don't get a gun. OK, that's the law. The problem is a lot of times people who commit a crime and often do have a gun on them, but didn't use the gun in the in, in the crime they committed they will get a bargain from their prosecutor in which the crime that they're charged with is not a felony, but a misdemeanor because a misdemeanor does not transpire, does not transfer into your, your felon status of owning a gun. And so these people who commit crimes who are dangerous, get misdemeanors instead of felonies, they can keep their gun and then they commit actual violence with the guns that they were allowed to keep. So, but just just to emphasize this, government prosecutors suck. So that's not actually hundred percent true. Correct me because this is as this is as far as my knowledge goes. Because this is how it was explained to me by another lawyer friend. So if you know yeah. more than I do, tell me because I want to be educated myself. So the the federal dispossession statute um, says that you cannot possess a firearm. Uh, if you've been convicted of a crime that is punishable by more than one year's imprisonment. Okay. So it's not actually a felon dispossession statute. It's just a dispossession statute. If you're convicted of a misdemeanor in your state that is published punishable by more than one year's imprisonment, you still fall under the federal prohibition. Okay. Now, the other key here, punishable, not served, not sentenced punishable. So if you're convicted of a misdemeanor that has a punishment that ranges from six to 18 months, you are given six months, you are still prohibited under federal law because the crime that you were convicted of carries a punishment of more than one year. Yeah. So it's a lot sketchier here. The other problem is this applies to everything. So we're not talking about violent felons, right? There is good founding era reason to argue that violent individuals, the people that participated in the Whiskey Rebellion, yeah, they were prohibited from possessing arms for three years, right? And so there's, there's a good reason to talk about violent people being right. prohibited from possessing arms. But what about, well, so a case that I dealt with uh, at the start of this year, what about tax fraud? Ugh. Is tax fraud a violent crime? So there was an individual who, lied on her tax returns to the federal government, which is a felony and punishable by more than one year's imprisonment and forever lost her right to possess a firearm because she lied on her tax return. Wow. So, so this, this is, is a lot more murky. Yeah. And so this, this stricter enforcement of the gun laws that are on the books is not always actually a great thing. We need to rein them in a little bit on, well, a lot of it on um, some of these, these, points. But, but what's interesting there is a lot of times in those cases, what you're talking about Stanton is, yeah, sometimes they'll plead down to the misdemeanor instead of the aggravated. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times prosecutors are incentivized to go after the gun charges because in so many of these states, 
it's or in like in New York, if you have a gun on you, you're you're committing a crime. I mean, so there are so many people that are prosecuted for just not doing anything wrong, but merely possessing a firearm. So I and got this bass backwards. A little bit. Sorry, bud. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I feel I feel cheated by my informer. I feel cheated here. I feel I feel bamboozled. Sorry. There's not a whole ton of gun law guys out there. So it's a pretty yeah, niche. Well, world. That's, that's for certain. OK, Mr. Gun Law Guy, tell us about the Rittenhouse case, which definitely involved a gun. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even going to get into the details at this point. Like sure. we would just be rehashing what everybody has been watching for the past three weeks. What was key to me was watching two things. One, people got to watch the prosecution and people got to watch what it looks like when state prosecutors bring these charges. And like he fumbled through this case, issues with witnesses on the stand, like not having them prepared, um, like very clear that half of the charges just like shouldn't have been brought in the first place. And so that was, I think, really enlightening to people of like, oh, this is what corruption looks like at the justice level, at the prosecutorial level. Um, because a lot of times people can't afford real defense attorneys or can't, or if they're given a, you know, a state appointed public defender, those public defenders have the biggest caseloads of anybody you've ever seen in your life. And they cannot possibly work all the cases that they have. So when a plea comes through, it's hard for them to turn it down because they don't, you know, they can't go to trial on every claim. And so it's this kind of like corrupt system that's set up to avoid jury trials because people want to avoid what. Kyle, we saw with Kyle, like people are trying to avoid putting these actual stories in front of a jury because look what happens. He gets acquitted as he should have been. Yep. And the other side of this, right, is let's talk about media coverage, right? How, (laughs) how one sided, I mean, you could watch the trial one day and then go and watch like the after report from some reporter and it was two, it was like, it was two separate cases. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen such a, no. I mean, we've it seen. Got, it got so bad. Like, you know, you, you got this like paparazzi style following of the case by the media. Um, the judge in fact prohibited NBC, specifically MSNBC from entering the courtroom anymore because they followed the bus that was carrying the jurors. This is a case in which, and I'm correct me wrong, this was the case in which the jurors were sequestered, right? Because it was correct. a public event. And so, Cody, correct me if I'm wrong, but sequestration basically means no one knows who the jurors are or vice, uh, no one knows who the jurors are. Their identity is supposed to be protected completely. I don't know how they do that in the courtroom themselves, but, the, but this NBC bus was trying to follow the jurors going back to their hotel. Here's what I found. Ah, my watch is went off i don't know why oh yeah i mean their identities kept secret you know i my understanding is that they can see them in the courtroom but the camera never pans over there no one in the courtroom's allowed i mean obviously they're all officers of court like lawyers and whatnot and they're not allowed to disclose any identities and whatnot so yeah and and you know they're saying oh this judge has wanted him innocent from the beginning i'm like if you guys do any of your research i did one day's worth of research the judge that presided over this case is known for being in favor of defendants. He's a defendant. He's a, what, what, what's, it's not pro-defendant. It's like uh, defendant lenient judge. I don't know there's a term sure. for it, um, but he's always been leaning towards, towards defendants. That's just kind of the judge he is. It just so happened to you be mean the like case. The how Kyle, our system is supposed to be? <laughs> you think. But Kyle Rittenhouse just so happened to be the defendant in this case. You know, it's, it's yeah. just, it got wild. It got well, and- wild. And here's the other good comparison, right? Something that we didn't hear about at all. Mm-hmm. And that was, there's another self-defense case that was going on at the exact same time. And this was Andrew Coffey. Oh, I haven't heard about this one. So Andrew Coffey, uh, it was a fairly famous uh, when it happened, but basically he was sleeping with his girlfriend middle of the night. And all of a sudden a flashbang goes off. He wakes up, sees a rifle pointed at his window grabs his gun and starts firing. I did hear about this one. Well, it turns out the flashbang and the rifle pointed in the, the window were law enforcement officers. It was a no knock raid on a warrant. And so he, his girlfriend was killed in the crossfire by law enforcement. I believe he killed two law enforcement officers, um, two SWAT 
guys, I think. And um, he was going on trial for the question of whether or not he was going to be held liable for the, you know, the killing of the law enforcement officers and it engaging in a shootout with police, the killing of his girlfriend. So for those of you that don't know, if you're engaging in an active crime and one of your accomplices is killed, you can be held liable, or even under your accomplice, like a, a, sorry, an innocent bystander is killed. You, even if it's not by you, you can be held liable for their, for their killing. Um, and so after all of this, after they heard the jury heard all of the evidence, Andrew Coffey was acquitted on every murder charge because he had no wow. reason to believe that he wasn't just defending his own life against some aggressor. And yeah. so this isn't a question of like some white kid running around at like a Black Lives Matter protest, right? This is a fundamental tenet of law is, you know, if you are in real legitimate fear for your life, do you have the ability to protect your life? Absolutely. And and that's what these cases are looking at, right? And so there's another case that's going on right now, uh, the Ahmaud Arbery case that's in closing arguments which dealt with with something similar a little bit of a a different fact pattern but that one hasn't been decided but the takeaway here is i mean you have the right to protect yourself like you have the right to defend your own life now you can't be an aggressor sure you can't go and like start a pick a fight and then say oh well now i'm defending my life well, there has to be some proportionality too right if someone exactly. throws a punch you don't like cut their hand off totally depends on the scenario okay. but but my, my not, point yeah. my point Correct. I, I was trying to make it grotesque but the point being is that you can't you can't just outright kill someone if they push you right yeah that's that's the idea no and you have to take into account all of the circumstances and everything and that's I mean, that's exactly what this jury did. And the jury came back unanimous and people are upset that it was some like systemic issue. And no, it's, it's recognizing the right of people to defend their own lives. Mm -hmm. And if we abandon that principle, like you, you don't have a right to protect your own life. I mean, that's a scary world to live in. Yeah. But, you know, and oh, so in the uh, coffee trial, the uh, SWAT was, uh, was uh, found non-guilty by the grand jury of any wrongdoing or harm either. So they're not going to be prosecuted for the, uh, their murder of uh, Mr. Coffee's girlfriend who so, um, no knock raids continue to be the, the thing. Yeah. And like, so they claim that they announced themselves, but it was like at the middle, in the middle of the night, I don't even remember what time it is. It was like, they were asleep. My wife like, can testify to how many alarms I sleep through. I'm not going to listen to some, random man knocking on my door much less no yeah and i mean so so the killing uh, her name was alteria woods and so she was she was killed in the shootout by swat officers raiding this house now have they prosecuted have they prosecuted coffee for whatever crime that they thought because if there's a warrant for his house like what 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 was he under suspicion for not that it matters to the defense itself but like i'm just curious you know so I don't know what the um, I don't know what the uh, the basis for the warrant was. I do know that he had a oh interesting had a prior felony charge, so he wasn't able to have the firearm in his home, and so he was found guilty of being a felony in possession of a firearm, which carries a sentence of up to thirty years in a federal prison. Um, so while Mr. Coffee was found not guilty of the killing of uh three law enforcement officers and uh mrs woods ms woods sorry um he is was found guilty of the the firearm charge i'll probably stick him with that one for a big one yeah well and imagine like if i mean i don't remember i don't know what his underlying charge was that that um led to it but no yeah i mean it's it's uh it just shows like, right. This isn't like a, this isn't some racial thing. This isn't some systemic thing. This is like, this is people just... have the right to defend. I should specify that Andrew coffee is, is black. I mean, I don't know if like it's I shouldn't be important, but it shouldn't be, but it is. And that Kyle Rittenhouse killed white dudes, three white guys. Yeah. Well, two and shot another, right? Yeah. Paralyzed my finger, something like that. Yeah. So, he's fine. Shot him in the arm. Well, what a world. We still didn't end on a happy note. 
We were doing so good. No, the happy note, the happy note here is that like, I love that people watched this trial. Like, I love that people sat down and watched the Rittenhouse trial to see what was going on. You know, people aren't watching the other trials, but, you know, say Levy. Um, but they got to see what the justice system looks like. Like, they got to see what prosecutors look like, what defense work look like, looks like. And they got to see what the jury saw. And so, um, you know, I think that's really important, that level of access to the justice system. And I also think it's really important that and this People. wasn't just on like the news. This was like streamed. That's the that's the major. Thing. Oh yeah, this, this was streamed and much much more access than anything before. I would assume that this was the most watched trial in the United States of all time. I mean, I think the only thing oh, that could whoa. possibly get close would be OJ. What about the uh, oh the the woman who killed her child, her baby? Oh, you know um, what I'm talking about yeah. I can't remember her name. I can't sick, remember her name either. Woman. I can see her face, but I know, I, I think, I think a lot of that reason is because of modern technology. Yeah. Because I think everybody was tuning in on YouTube, watching streams, watching on their phone, listening live. So I think a lot of the reason is technology, but I think it's gotta be, I mean, Rodney King, OJ, uh, Benet Ramsey, like mm. these, those are probably the big ones, but this one due to modern technology and just like, the availability of streaming it's only going to get worse and better but you know well now maybe people will think a little bit more uh carefully about what what their prosecutors are doing in their uh their county and their state and maybe uh things need to go to juries a little more often let's hope so <laughs> actually 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 go to jury duty you know <laughs> yeah you know they put it in the uh the bill of rights for a reason yeah. Is that whole like I don't Set know? It's kind of important. Kind of thing. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of important to have, you know, jury of your peers. <laughs> well, to definitely end on a uh, a good note, um, totally unrelated to our ABCs, but uh, Boondock Saints three finally got the go. I'm so excited! <laughs> I don't know. If, <laughs> so for no, for those of you who don't know, the Boondock Saints is this cheesy, wonderful boston irish i don't even know what genre it's 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 a genre unto itself it's the boondock saints the first one came out in like the mid 90s um the second one came out like the late aughts and it, it's like it's like 10 12 year gaps between all of them willem dafoe is in it it's just it's amazing and the third one finally got the green light and i'm so so happy i'm so ready Boondock um, Saints 1 is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's exquisite. It's a delight to watch. Me and uh, my my best friend from Canada have ig- exchanged at graduation. We each bought each other like a whiskey flask, flask and yeah. we had uh, Equitas and Veritas engraved oh, on it. So nice. the characters in Boondock Saints, for those that don't know, have Equitas and Veritas tattooed on their trigger fingers. For their gut. It's the most like true crime shootout Boston <laughs> Irish. So there's I a light note. Oh, I'm I'm super although two was two was uh two, so was, all, two was all right. I like two. I know hopefully there are people we can, who hate two, but I liked the, the twist that comes with two. Hopefully we could recapture some of the uh the OG boondock saints. Oh yeah, I'm ready for it. Um yeah, uh, there are a couple of things that happen in the month. You know, Yahoo pulls out of China over content regulation, but you know, same old, same old news. Yahoo. Did you also see this? Being communists. What? Yeah. Did you see this tennis story? Tennis story. No yeah. Way. So the, there is a star Chinese tennis player, uh, and I will figure out her name. And she came out and accused one of. The, so for those that don't know, with the Chinese Communist Party, there's like two echelons of upward leadership there's this kind of broader board and then there's this seven person inner circle and those are the people like that's what um xi jinping runs and like that's the key and so like the central committee versus the politburo or whatever yeah standing standing bureau yeah 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 yeah. so uh a famous chinese tennis professional who's ranked like top 10 in doubles and she's like 14th in singles um basically came out and accused this uh, high-ranking Chinese official 
of uh, sexual assault. Basically said that he was engaged in like an extramarital relationship with her. Uh, and then him, once he got elevated to that standing committee, he and his wife invited her over. And then uh, allegedly his wife blocked the door while he, I don't know what happened, oh, but assaulted her. Jeez. And so she posted this on social media. And then uh, all of a sudden the post disappears along with this tennis player who disappears for two weeks. And so I thought it was finally going to be the first time that we were going to see some like Olympic reaction to China and they're like crazy authoritarian communist. And so basically the, the authorizing Bureau of Tennis and for the Olympics was like, look, we're not going to do this unless we know that she's safe. And so she wrote this like super unconvincing email. She wrote air quotes. And they were like, this isn't good enough. Like, this doesn't clear anything. You need and like so a she, newspaper next to the face kind of thing at that point. Well, and then so then she did like a 30 minute phone call with the uh, with the, the tennis board. And even afterwards, they're like, yeah, we're still not convinced. So they're saying like they might not authorize like Olympic tennis. Or something going on the next olympics in china or something like this yes the winter well the winter one right or is it the winter ones i can't remember but this is insane so yeah the women's tennis association threatened to pull out of all tournaments in china and the men's tennis association of tennis professionals demanded clarity or surrounding the the scenario also and so now they're saying this isn't good enough until like she's travels outside of China and can meet with us in person. Like they're still not convinced. So it's not, it doesn't look like it's the Olympics. It looks like it's just all the tournaments in China. So her name, is, Oh, I can't, I'm going to butcher this guys. I'm really sorry. Her name is Peng Shui. S H U A I. That's good. Low sounds right to me. I'm going to be as dull as you were on that. Yeah. So, I mean, China's going to China, I guess. Right. Not- like, fascist be fascist like i mean yeah yeah just like a tennis prof- like a f- famous person in china's like oh we we just really don't care like we're just gonna disappear you also yep. you're gonna it's crazy yeah well and it happened with the the ceo of uh what's that oh, yeah one that one ma- major tech company alibaba yeah. not alibaba Was it uh, Huawei or, or Huawei? No, it's the like major, it's like the Chinese Amazon eBay thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's Alibaba. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Like, well, well, well welcome. Yeah. No. Yeah. Pizza is not fun. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been your news <laughs> in November. Uh, <laughs> we have no idea what our deep dive is. We're probably going to let Chrissy pick. That way, you know, we can redirect your happy ears towards something more joyful and aspiring rather than just our everything's dead inside kind of voices so um cody got any shout outs oh do i have any shout outs um i don't know if i have any shout outs this week that's not a worry that's not a worry i don't think i have anything this week. i don't I, i think i've got a couple of uh a couple of my kiddos who listen um, but for those of you who are in my cast, thank you. You guys were an amazing cast and crew. I was so happy to be a, your director. Um, can't wait for the next round next year. <laughs> Do it again. Once um, more into the breach. Oh, once more into the fray. Yeah, all right. <laughs> we're nerding out over a poem. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for us today. We don't know what our next topic is going to be, uh, but you can bet your bottom dollar it's going to be self-evident and probably forgotten you can listen to us uh wherever you get your podcasts apple spotify i think even google has a couple things uh find us on their social media at sef underscore pod twitter facebook etc etc and with that ladies and gentlemen we will see you next time